Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. This podcast is for you if you have an insane drive to find the truth of things. It's not the good answers that we seek, but the good questions. I interview a range of different guests from many different fields, all with the intention to uncover the simple truths that are hidden in plain sight. Most people don't want to go there. I go there. My guests go there, and you benefit. Please let me know if you enjoy these episodes, and as always, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guests, guests today are Zachary Ahmed, co-CEO of, of Clay.Earth, and Matthew Acharyam, co-CEO of uh, Clay.Earth. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're really excited to dig into some of this. Cool. Yeah, so, super excited to be here. What is uh, Clay.Earth? Clay is a, uh, we, we sort of high level describe it as a home for your people um, and a home for your relationships um, built automatically from all the places those people live today. So think email, calendar, Twitter, LinkedIn, iMessage, et cetera. Um, and uh, sort of aspirationally, we want you to um, help to help you be more thoughtful with people. So whether that's, um, an old college friend, um, or a sort of a coworker, um, or someone that you, uh, you knew from 10 years ago that you haven't reconnected with. Um, our goal is to, um, help you remember the things that are important about people and then help you, uh, reconnect with them over time. Mm. Um, and so we do that in a number of ways. Um, but we started sort of on our journey because we wanted to, uh, we wanted to sort of embrace that as a, as a goal. And we think that technology, I think in a lot of ways, doesn't uh, solve for that. Um, and our existing tools don't solve for that. So uh, it's very much rooted in Matt and my journeys together as um, sort of founders and friends and coworkers now. Um, but yeah, Matt, anything to add on that? No, I think that was a pretty good um, summary. Happy to like, you know, each of those phrases Zach just said, could probably be a, be a story in and of itself. So, um. <laughs> so you guys are studying this field of of relationships, and relationships are so interesting because if we if we think about you know where we are on the planet and everything like that, so much of our brain power is focused on our relationships with other people, and a lot of people do individual contributor work, um, and then there's this kind of like overarching thing where it seems like the more abstract you get the more it has to do with other people. So like if you're a, if you're a CEO, then that means that you're mostly just talking to people trying to figure out what's going on and then create an image of that head, not too in depth, because if you go in too in depth, you're getting into the weeds. Um, and so it's like all managing other people. And then, and then at the individual contributor level, it's like, what is my relationship to the machine? Like, um, and, uh, and I'd be really curious to hear from you guys about like where this is headed in terms of, uh, relationships and machine learning and like, where does AI fit into this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think for us, uh, we just go back to the fundamentals. And, you know, I think one of the things that we believe, and this is probably one of our core principles at Clay is that like, you can't really replace um, humanity or the, in our sense, like, you know, the, the, hum the humanity of relationships. And so a lot of the tools and features that we build specifically are meant to augment and amplify that. Now, what does that really mean? I think um, for us, relationships fall 
broadly into three like three buckets. Um, and it's really understanding who you know, how well you know them, and how to improve it relationships. And if you look at any kind of business software, any kind of social network, any tool or like service that sort of deals with relationships, they're answering, you know, some of those three questions or one of those three questions. And when we think about AI, uh, we almost think of it as this, you know, tool that amplifies that. And our a lot of our vision and a lot of what we talk about at Clay or a lot of the team is aligned around is this mission of like improving human conscientiousness. And if you notice, there's no mention of the how, there's no mention of the why. It's we just think that it's fundamentally important. And for us, like AI is sort of like 10x is 100x is that because you now have this 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 entity or this tool that's almost like magic that allows you to sort of have full context of every relationship that you ever had. And we talk a lot about that in the context of like Dunbar's numbers and sort of a lot of the research that we looked into um, going to Clay. And I think a lot of the things you highlighted uh, are a lot of the themes that we found um, that show up in the workplace, show up in your personal lives. So yeah, so like it's it's all intertwined, but I think for us, we draw a very bright, clear line between um, sort of like humanity and sort of like the things that AI enables. And we don't think it's, you know, ever going to replace that, or at least um, in our lifetimes. <laughs> Seems like it's going to get rid of the individual contributor lo- ro- role, basically. Um, you yeah, I mean, like I, I think, like in, in what context? What do you mean? I was just thinking in terms of, and, and well, and this is related to uh, to uh, what, what I'm currently doing, but um, that, and I think you're right that that it, that was an overgeneralization was that like when there's a most jobs seem like a lot of like who is doing the actual grunt work at the lowest level to to figure out what what needs to get done and then at the higher levels it's more about directing and managing and stuff like that and i'm no expert in this so um uh but that role of where it's like okay i can get this things done it's like that let's take example of investment banking or something Mm-hmm. Um, where they have these analysts come in and play these roles of going and doing that grunt work, working really long, hard hours. And then the top level guy reviews their work um, gotcha. and then, and then fixes it if it needs to be fixed. Now with the AI, this, the, with GPT-4, the, the, that process of having the junior analyst seems like it's not going to be around very much longer. Yeah. And like, I'm firmly in the camp that I think that work evolves. So I, I sort of get the, the, the context now. Thank you for that. That's super helpful. Um, so an analyst might be hired to do more of the creative things and less of the the manual, like run work, like you mentioned, like we don't think, I, I think one of the original problems we found with this level of software was that the moment data is entered into any system that exists today, it goes stale. Right. And so someone then has to go and, you know, if, if Zach changes his job or, you know, has a big life update, someone has to go find that information. And in your example, the analyst has to go seek that information, but we feel like computers are just much better suited to that. And, you know, it's frankly not that enjoyable IC work to be to begin with. So we look at all the the, the, the painful things and say like, can we just eliminate this from their workflow so that they can do the, the fun stuff essentially. Yeah, exactly. Um, and because uh, it is, it is really boring. Um, and, uh, uh, and it's hard, this is something I've been thinking about in general, in terms of the, the span of technology where we're headed, uh, is just like, um, so much of the work is now, uh, really, um, uh, totally lost that thought. So we'll, 
we'll uh, we'll move on to the next one. Um, okay. Uh, so we got this magical process now that is just like available to anybody, um, and we've got relationships. We've got this kind of sense of historical time that's changing things, um, and the pace of acceleration is so crazy. I would love to hear from you guys in the last like couple months, how has this kind of massive change made a direct impact on your personal or work life? Yeah, we've been, um, we've, we've experimented with um, probably going back to GPT two, um, sort of we had preview access um, and we have experimented with that for clay um, and as tools for clay um, clay the product but also clay the um, also the uh, the sort of business thinking about how we can use it both for ourselves um, to enhance our creativity um, and I think there's there's a number of ways we've seen it sort of integrate I think um, there's definitely the search context um, I think that, there's a lot of uh, argument to be made that I think for for searching, for uh, reasoning, um, for summarizing, it's really powerful. Um, and Matt and I have used it to summarize PDFs, um, to reframe things, to um, come up with ideas for product names or descriptions, or um, you know, for ideation, it's really powerful in brainstorming and creativity. Um, I think for uh, you know, I, I think we've also seen the limits of where, um, you know, I think where you have to be more of the curation or the editorial on top of it. Um, and I think um, that's the hard part is, is uh, number one, infusing some of your um, tone and your voice and your like giving it the context that it needs to do the thing that you're telling it to do. That's incredibly hard. And it actually is in some ways more time consuming um, so depending on the on the task or depending on what you're trying to do, it may take more time for you to do that um, because it's not always repeatable. It's not always, you know, the the thing that I'm, um, you know, if I'm writing a uh, a one pager for a, you know, a sales deck or something versus I'm writing an email versus I want to um, understand a news article. All of those things require the AI to to be slightly a slightly different person um you would you know if you, in a lot of these cases you're telling it to personify and be a thing but that thing always is different it's not just like be an assistant be a chief of staff like that's not yeah, interesting it's not it's a it's like the the best specialist or no it's the best generalist specialist ever basically. exactly <laughs> yeah. exactly and so um that it, that has been interesting to sort of feel um because i think it's also gotten in some ways better at that and gpt4 is definitely better at that but um, there's a lot of nuance there. And I think everybody's learning that together. That's why you see a lot of that action on Twitter of people experimenting with different things. Um, so there's that aspect of it. I think the other aspect is that it is, you know, there's the sense of, there's the concept it has built in called temperature. Um, and that's basically creativity. And so you can dial the temperature up or down and it can be entirely predictable or unpredictable. But I think what we've been amazed by is that when it is most unpredictable, it is the most magical and it is the most sort of interesting and has the most opportunity for the light. Um, but that's also entirely unrecreatable. Unre like it's not like it's not something that you can capture um, and it's not something you can hold static. Um, and that to a lot of 
you know, from a product perspective or from a, even from a user perspective is incredibly infuriating, right? Cause you're, you, you know, you ask it to maybe draft something and it'll give it to you. And then you ask to draft it again, even in the same conversation, and it may not respect those parameters. And so now you're back to square one. So there, there are a lot of, I think, first of all, everybody's learning together and learning these things together. I think open AI and even the, you know, these big companies are learning together sort of what, things work well and what things don't. Um, you have a lot of companies coming in and being scaffolding or infrastructure on top of, you know, those core things to make some of that stuff easier. Um, but I think, you know, Matt and I have um, constantly said, you know, how, to what extent can this, um, you know, make possible, make new things possible or um, greatly reduce sort of the the stress or anxiety or whatever of relationships. Um, uh, sort of things that we we only dreamt of, you know, three or four years ago are now, you know, becoming possible. And so that to us is really exciting um, because relationships are so nuanced and relationships are hard and require a ton of um, contextual everything to get right. And so um, to do that, especially in the context of this thing that doesn't have a lot of that nuance, requires even more sort of... Uh, attention to detail and respect for humanity and sort of understanding of the limitations of AI and where that needs to end. So, um, yeah, that's just the high level, but. Cool. Um, I like what you said about stress and anxiety. Um, the relationships are so hard pieces is, is a, is an interesting one. What, like, since you guys have started, what is the, I don't, it doesn't need to go too personal, but what, like, what have, what have your personal relationships, uh, like where, how it seems like the whole world has been going through a pretty challenging period for the past few years and like relationships got hit, hit so hard and there's so many, and now we're opening out of it and we're, we're like going back into meeting and, and, and there's just like so much going on in terms of everybody's internal world. And I was trying to think about this earlier today. It's just like, when I meet with somebody, I only have access to that one thing that they're presenting me with. I don't have access to everything that's behind those things, nor even myself, really. I don't really have that for myself. Um, this complexity of relationships, what are the kind of, you know, I don't want to give a list of things, but like, what are the main things that you find really beneficial to understand if you want to improve the quality of your relationships? Yeah, um, I think for the thing that you mentioned um, specifically, which is like, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, we noticed several themes and this just comes up from our conversations with our customers and just in general, where we feel like the world is going. And the first one is um, there's two simultaneous things occurring. One is relationships have never been more important. Mm -hmm. At the same time, people feel like they're losing that touch. And a lot of them, you know, whether it's right or wrong, blame, blame that or like attribute some of that blame to like technology and social networking and sort of these themes that have like, you know, frankly created uh, very dystopian narratives in people's heads. And so our role uh, or what we think our role is um, and what we've been working to is help folks um, solve these two problems first by helping navigate that abundance. So when you come into Clay today, you know, we operate across all these different networks. And so we want to be able to offer you like basically a high level view of what's important and, and how we gauge that is basically how you spend your time, right? Like who are you talking to the most? Like who are you interacting with? And never letting that like escape, um, um, escape your attention. And, and 
again, because there's so much noise, like our job is to help you parse through that. So like, that's the first role. And then, you know, the second, the second side is just like determining in, in that same vein, just determining like who is important to you, right? Like yeah. you meet a lot of people. And I think we, again, this is another value that we have, like whether they're your closest people or their loosest tie, there's a ton in value in just that, that fundamental unit of a relationship. It doesn't matter if I met you 10 years ago at a conference that, you know, uh, and you can look at, there's a lot of studies on this around weak ties, but that's where a lot of the opportunities in your life come from, whether it's finding a new job or a new partner, um, or uh, even just finding new friends when you move to a new city, like these weak ties, no matter how old they are, like end up creating a lot of, you know, and, and Zach talks about this a lot. Like it's sort of like, manu- like it's a way to manufacture serendipity in your network. And um, so those are the two themes that we've noticed a lot um, in the last few years. And, you know, we've been lucky to be able to like capitalize on that and just help folks again, navigate that abundance and, and identify them which relationships matter. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. Sorry. Yeah, I have some, I mean, some stats that I think sort of put that into perspective. So I think the average, um, the average number of people that sort of a, a mid-level professional meets during their career is like four-ish thousand. Um, and so if you think about that in, I mean, if you think about even LinkedIn, you know, people have thousands of connections on LinkedIn. Um, I think a lot of people would say, I don't know a lot of these people or whatever, but but the real number when you survey people and say, you know, at when they're retiring, how many, how many people have you interacted with where you've, you know, had a meaningful interaction with them? That's like, that's thousands of people. And there's no way that's orders of magnitude above Dunbar's number, um, which is the sort of 150 natural limit you can hold in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you look at that, that group of people um, and the sort of modern generations are moving around more often. So um, I think millennials change careers three times as often as older generations. Um, So you're staying in a job for a much shorter period of time. You're spending less time with your coworkers often um, uh, outside of work. Um, That's sort of, there's a bunch of studies there. Um, And then a bunch of people uh, say that they have, they have, they struggle with this, right? They, 30% of millennials say that they're lonely. Um, there's a, there's sort of the loneliness pandemic and the, the, the pandemic itself sort of exacerbated that in a lot of ways. That was even before the pandemic. Um, and half of people say that they struggle keeping in touch with their network. And so when you look at that holistically, relationships are one of the most, if not the most important thing to happiness, uh, professional success, um, self-reported happiness and sort of just like out, outward happiness. And and yet it's the thing that we spend least time on and they shrink over time. And so that to us is the sort of like blinking sort of red red light siren that was like, you know, something something is wrong here. And, um, you know, social networking for all of its promise, you know, I think m- there's all the studies around how that, you know, they, they if anything, uh, are more divisive and more... Uh, uh, if anything, sort of distant, um, they they distance us from from relationships rather than bring us closer. And so, um, you know, what does that look like? What how do how do you sort of solve the ramifications of all of this sort of disconnectedness um, and uh, and both personally and professionally, right? And and professionally, um, you know, I think you, you know the rise of remote work. There's the um, the sort of like the water, the lack of a water cooler effect. All of those things result in just less serendipity and less um, less sort of uh, strength of those weak ties, like Matt mentioned, which are so important to to you getting your next job or your next sort of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely something. As I've transitioned from a core, m- much more. 
uh, so solo existence uh, back into the work world. Uh, it has been fascinating for me as an introvert. Uh, I, I love having conversations. I love uh, meeting other people, but at the same time, it kind of like drains me. And I knew that I knew that this was coming back again. Uh, and uh, and it's so interesting because it's so like it's 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 I think for introverts we can be basically very um we can run into a block of basically because we're very good at being around other people because we tend to listen i think more uh, i don't know if that's accurate or not but um yeah it's such a it's such a, a challenge to to but then going back into business it's like there's so many people and that's where the most value comes from is from your relationships with other people um and you know on that point i you know i think we we very much believe it's not about quantity um at all like you know we we pay attention a lot to the quality of relationships we have people who join and you're a high schooler or college student and you know 10 to 100 people and that's totally fine um uh all the way up to executives and organizations who have thousands or tens of thousands of relationships and so we um i think the thing that we more firmly believed was that all all of the, the the products that have you know a lot of the products that have come before were very much like for those extroverted networkers mm -hmm. and when you only focus on that group um first of all you're ignoring you know call it half of the population who is much more introverted um but also it, it doesn't take into account the fact that um you know quality and depth of relationship is also equally important and so that's a that's a really hard thing to capture in technology yeah. um but yeah no, to your point i think people interact differently. Yeah. And I would love to understand more about how do you qualify quality um, rather because quanti qual quantitative, no, sorry. Uh, if you're quantifying uh, quantities, it's really easy. You got the numbers there and you can take the numbers and everything like that. But then when you get these intangibles and particularly related to business, how do you actually strap out those, basically those, those, uh, those intangibles and make them tangible enough to then prove that you're actually solving a real problem. Do you guys have any insight into that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think we think about it, I guess, holistically, but like um, there's there's two ways to think about it. There's the the software level and then there's the human level, right? I think on the software level, it's, it's pretty simple to us. I think one of the biggest proxies that we look at for quality is time spent, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not just time spent, you know, meeting someone through a calendar. It's like time spent, you know, emailing someone, your response time, like, you know, how often you're doing it. So there's, there's like uh, one of the benefits of being in this hyper-connected world is there's a ton of metadata that like really gives you insights that you might not otherwise have been doing like subconsciously about, uh, about the quality of the relationships that you have. And so we've, you know, this is a little proprietary, but like we look at all these signals and then, you know, have an interpretation layer on top of that using, you know, machine learning and now AI um, to help you like navigate that. So that that's the first step. But I think, you know, you might say, oh, well, that sounds kind of dystopian and scary and like, you know, bad and you're reducing someone to a score. But we really, like, it's back to this idea of like, we don't actually, we present with to you that data and then it's up to you what you want to do with it. And so I think, it's first the first order of business is to present that that data in a meaningful like way to someone and then have them take action whether it's like you know meet someone more or meet someone less or like make these decisions right and it's, it's, we think of it in the same way of like health like when you go and get a blood test or when you go to your doctor for this annual checkup 
we again we believe that relationships are one of the most fundamental things in our life and like study after study proves this but we don't have any tooling that tells us or speaks to the health of that and so we want to just give people oh, better tools to make those decisions um that's cool that would be a beautiful intangible to 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 unwind is the the level of health for an individual and how and see if you could correlate it to the to the to the people that they're meeting and such yeah and like you said like you know like i think this balance of introvert versus extrovert too like some people get nourished differently like all the your relationship diet's very different like i would pick you know one long quality session with someone i like as an introvert yeah. over like 20 conferences i'm not saying that's wrong or right it's just different you know it's just a different way of of, of navigating um your network and and your relationships and so we just want you to be your healthiest self, whatever, whatever that definition is. Um, Let's go back to the part uh, where we were talking about moving to a new city. Um, uh, Cause moving to a new city was, I've done it many, many times. And, I've, uh, and I, as I started to do it and in different countries with different languages. And, and when I first started to do it, Facebook was just coming out. Google was just coming out. Quora, Quora turned out to be a really helpful um, resource for that. Uh, and there's this like online versus offline uh, thing that just appeared in the last 15 years. Whereas before, if I had tried this in the 90s, it would have been a very, very different process uh, to go and find people that I could actually hang out with. Um, and have you have you actually had use cases for this specific instance of people moving to another another place and using clay to to help yeah it's actually one of our sort of most uh magical use cases is 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 traveling sort of just for for work or for 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 vacation but also um moving to a new city because i think that's where um especially after covid people are moving around more i think a lot of people were like you know my friends that I thought were in my city are actually not in my city anymore, but then I also have a bunch of friends who moved to my city. And so you've got this like huge migration of people. Um, and, and we were surfacing that. Um, and, and so people saw, Oh, you know, Zach just came to SF. Um, he changed his location on LinkedIn or, uh, Twitter or something. And so we show that, uh, that we help people just understand, uh, Hey, there's somebody new, like help welcome them to, to your city. Um, and and travelers in particular, if you're planning a week long trip and you're going to a bunch of a bunch of different places, like who have I not seen in a while in that place and who is there now is very different from the last time I saw that I went to that place. Um, if you think about how often you go to even major cities, um, you know, most business or personal uh, travel um, is years apart, and so like the the people that are there are just entirely different. So travel to us is a really important sort of core use case, but to us it's um, you know, th this is to Matt's point, I think we think about relationships holistically. And so, you know, an app that, you know, helps you figure out who's in your city, that alone is not enough, right? Like Facebook doesn't just do that. It does a bunch of other things. And so, um, you know, to do, to, to properly encompass the life cycle of a relationship and how people think about their network um, requires that you do that plus a bunch of other things. Um, but that one in particular is, is so magical when it happens because it allows you to rekindle something um, that you otherwise totally would not have known unless you happen to see their Facebook post or Instagram post or LinkedIn post about moving to that place. Interesting. Um, yeah, and I'm about to do it again too. I'm about to uh, move to Brazil and uh, uh, go hang out, hang out there for a bit. And the Brazilians, I love 
their, <laughs> their approach to relationships is fascinating because they are like it's like an antidepressant just being there because people like reach out to you and like just talk to you on the street and like i remember uh at uh I, I met a friend in an elevator um and uh we were connecting and everything like that and then later on somehow she found my apartment and slipped a note under my door and saying hey you want to be friends um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh and it's like like it's like the the, the smirnoff uh russia vodka thing like uh in 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 Russia, vodka drinks you or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Brazil, instead of making friends, friends make you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's such a beautiful, uh, beautiful sentiment about Brazil. Uh, I think one of the the things that made me think about something we mentioned earlier, which was like, I think one of your entry points too is this community of dance, right? Like you're just showing yes, up yes. to some of these events and just making friends there. Um, it's just not even work related, but like it's more interest related So, like, it's not like one of the things we're trying to do is also like extend beyond this location, right? Like if you put in dance, like you might find like 20 people who have an interest in dance who you've not seen in Brazil. And so it's like finding these new ways to like um, develop community. And I think, I think mm. that's, that's one of them too. Mm. Um, yeah. Dancing specifically is a wonderful way to meet people. Um, uh, it's just like uh, particularly partner dancing because then you're just like in an intimate situation pretty quickly. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of fun and joy and stuff that happens inside of that as well. Cool. Okay. So we got about 10 minutes, 10 minutes left. Um, where, so, okay. Are you guys, where are you guys located? Matt's uh, in SF and I'm in the, in New York, basically. So a little bit outside of New York. So by coastal. Yeah. One of the interesting things for the past couple of years has been living inside the countryside and my relationships to people have now moved almost 90% online. Uh, whereas my in-person relationships are mostly related to the herd of animals that I have, uh, which is a two goats, a sheep and an emu. <laughs> Um, and, and so and an, uh, and an egret emu what was it emu. emu okay yeah yeah it's like a uh it's like a two meter large bird uh, <laughs> that is <laughs> that uh that will, will runs away from me if i run towards it but or if i if i walk towards it but then if i don't walk towards it will come up and peck things so like it would peck my speaker or whatever and just like and sometimes it hurts because they go in the finger and stuff it's a wild stream wow bird. yeah that's um, great yeah and uh, and I have I have I have some tenants living on the on the property which I own and and uh, so I do have some some human relationships but now it's been like a couple of years now where I've been out here just trying to like survive in the relationship to the wild like because you know there's the relationship to people and then there's like the relationship to nature and like fate and destiny and all these different things uh, and this this land has been just like one hard journey after another in terms of like me coming from San Francisco, moving out to the country and then during the pandemic and just being like, okay, well now I got to figure out how to survive. And there's been like fires and snowstorms and all this oh, crazy stuff. Um, and, uh, and um, so, yeah. What do you think about this relationship to nature? But I guess there's another, there's the relationship to nature and then there's the relationship to ourself that is brought out through the relationship to nature. Um, what do you think about these like non-human relationship types of things? That's really interesting. Um, 
I'm going to let Matt, and I mean, I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I never thought I would leave the city. I also left the city. I also have a uh, developing relationship with nature, I would say. Um, yeah. Matt Matt moved to, to SF because of nature. So maybe you go first. Matt, well, and, yeah. I don't, I don't know if SF counts as nature. It's, yeah. You know, when no, you compare, no, when you, yeah, compare yeah. you go out, you go out hiking and yeah. Right. When you, when you compare uh, New York City to anything, like, you know, just going across the bridge could be nature, you know? So I don't know if that's a fair comparison. Um, but I, I, I will say like, you know, I think relationships is one aspect of it, but uh, what you're really talking about is is a journey of of self discovery, and I think um, there are some ideas here around like <laughs> we're still biological beings, right? Like uh, there, there there's a good um, I forget I'm gonna misattribute it. I actually don't know who it is, but we're just basically uh, wetware, uh, not hardware, not software, running this like legacy like operating system, and so part of that is. Uh, uh, part of that is like dealing with all these legacy things. And I think just being a, around in and around nature is something that's been a, a fundamental part of human, humanity that, that we very quickly because of cities, like have, have removed. And so um, I think some of us uh, particularly thrive or don't miss it. But like, if you, if you read a lot of like the, um, if you just feel like where the zeitgeist is right now, like you look at folks like, you know, um, researchers who are podcasters like Andrew Humerman and like Tim Ferriss and that whole set, like a lot of what they're doing is like giving you ways to, in some ways, like <laughs> proxy nature, right? Like the ice baths, the waking up in the morning, looking at sunlight. There are all these things that we all need. And, you know, I think the first step for folks who don't really, and this is, I, I notice this a lot from moving outside of the city into somewhere like SF where like you have like these beautiful trails or like even within the city or like five minutes, like you don't realize it's missing um, because we're so good at adapting as humans until you actually experience it. And so for me, it was, it was just like, huh, like, yeah, there is something to be spending like an hour or two out, outside uh, on, you know, and getting some sunlight and, and things like that. So um I think if I were to summarize, I would say the first step is like self-awareness. Some people might not even know they're missing those things and it's very easy to miss those things. And then the second step is just cultivating that as a daily practice and making it a priority. I think it's easier to make a priority when you move out of the city, but uh, for folks who live in the city, you, you can just do it. It's just choosing what you want to prioritize. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I very much aspire to be a holistic person. Um, but you know, as it comes, like working on a startup is, is turns out to be the antithesis of being holistic in a lot of ways. Yeah. So well, at, at least on a personal be, level, yeah. You've got to be <laughs> just enough holistic to understand yeah. what's going on. And then the whole thing changes. Like, exactly. You know, yeah. It's like a, uh, it's just like a, it's Sisyphus. It's a Sisyphus. <laughs> right? uh, and yeah. it's life in general too. Life in right. life. A lot of people go seek out more obstacles without paying attention to the obstacles that are already inside of them. So like uh, they, you know, like go seek out more stress and stuff. I've, I've done it a lot. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and uh, but the, like life w is planning on throwing all of us a whole, a whole lot of curveballs. And then if you're starting a startup, you've got a 10 X on that terms in terms of curveballs, I guess yeah. Yeah, that would be a good way to, to kind of uh, uh, close it out is to, is like, what is, the main thing that you've taken out how do you how do you guys adapt to curveballs where um what are what are the like best practices if any don't, there don't need to be any either like where how do you guys adapt in your in your work lives 
I, uh, I've got a, a semi-glib answer, just find yourself a great co-founder. So I think having, um, uh, having Aww. someone like Zach, <laughs> having someone like Zach, uh, be a co-founder. And, you know, I think our co-founder relationship started first of all, with a friendship, which is very important. And we realized that if we were going to work in a company that involved relationships, like it would be really bad form for us to not have a solid relationship. So we started there. And I think, um, you can definitely take a lot more curveballs when you have someone who's, who's a capable, capable partner who compliments you. And I think that just extends beyond companies, right? It's just general community, friends, partners, whatever you want. Like, that's just good advice. And I think for, for, for me in particular, like I, I tend towards um, more uh, spending time on problems and just really getting lost in the weeds and the details and executing that way. And um, Zach is remarkable, remarkable at contact switching, I think like in the top like 1%. So um, I think between the both of us, um, we have this ability to like handle like the big problems and the little problems that come up inevitably day to day. And it's a lot of firefighting. And so uh, having that well-rounded um, uh, founding team or early team, and it's not just Zach and I, I think everyone on the team is really remarkable at what they do. And so just putting yourself in situations with the right people is my uh, uh, first bit of, uh, um, which, I mean, I, I guess it sounds kind of trite, but it's 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 trite because it's true. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if I use that. But, no, yeah, and I think also just the, the emotionality that goes, you know, it's, uh, it goes up and down. It, uh, it, one day, you know, Matt's in a great mood and I'm, you know, it's cloudy and rainy here and I'm sad, you know, it, it just, it changes so frequently. So, um, I think there's a lot of that, that you have to work through together and having a co-founder makes that a lot easier. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I had one. I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, a it's an interesting avenue right now. Um, well, I, like I said, it's, it's like, I think it's any, like having good relationships, right? Like, it's just like, you can lean on folks when like, to your point, when life throws you curve curveballs, just having folks around you that, help compliment you um, is, is really important. And um, even as an introvert, that's super important. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, that's cool. Cool. Uh, any questions that I didn't ask you that I feel you feel like I should have asked you? I always love that question when I hear it, but <laughs> when faced with it myself. We ask, we ask that people. Yeah, we ask that yeah. people that. Uh, I love asking that question. I don't love answering it, but Zach, if you have something off the top of your head. Um, no. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we have a bunch of, uh, you know, I think we, we hinted at it at various points, but we have a bunch of uh, interesting beta preview type things of AI and how that fits into clay coming. And so um, if people are interested, clay.earth, um, take a look, let us know. Um, but we're, uh, we're excited to see how people use it. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, we've, we've tested it, we've been amazed by it, but it's also like, let's see, let's open it up and see how people like interacting with it. So cool. we'll go and check I, out clay.earth. Oh yeah. And Matthew, go ahead. I, know, I was just going to, I was going to say, thank you for your question. I think, um, one, even like having worked on, on this for a few years now on this, on this idea of trying to improve relationships, in my mind, um, it's still one of the most um, underrepresented, uh, like sort of like 
life hacks or or ways of living or, or or carrying on through your life that people should take advantage of. It's 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 only reinforced the fact that other people and sort of like, you know, focusing in on your relationships is is the right way to go for most people. And no matter what you do, in what capacity, like spending a little bit of your time thinking about it, evaluating it, not even in the context of clay, just, you know, um, in the context of your own personal relationship, spending five minutes on it is such a, such a high ROI task. And most people still don't, I, you know, that's the one message that you can take away from this podcast is think about who you spend time with and how you spend your time with other people. Um, and something I learned is the the quality, the quality of the connection as well. I thought a lot about it from a sort of like a, um, you know, a meta level of, 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 in terms of business and networking, but uh, but, uh, but like the actually thinking through that quality, how do you even like qualify that? Like, I, I know you guys have a, a, an actual way you do it, but, uh, um, you know, like for each person, uh, the, the qualification of relationships, cause it's always changing. It's just like the startup thing. It's like, it's just, it's not something that is static. It's going to, going to change over time. Friends become enemies, enemies become friends, <laughs> like so on and so forth and, until, until it's all over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just describe the human condition. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, back to that. yeah, no, which also feels like a good meta place to, to end. No, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us um, and learn a little bit about what we're working on clay. Um, we're super excited about your uh, move to Brazil though. That's like, you know, hopefully next time you call us, you're uh, on a beach. Uh, <laughs> an, an actual beach rather. On an actual beach, beach, yeah. Beach, yeah. Um, and we get to vicariously live through, uh, do through you spinning up a new company in uh, Brazil. <laughs> you guys should do an offsite down there. Yeah, no, actually, <laughs> we definitely want to go international. We've, we've been singing in the US, but... That's the next yeah. on the docket for We're sure. We're building building up to that. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you, guys. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I. Also, don't forget to subscribe on Spotify or iTunes for every weekly episode that I publish on Monday mornings. Hope you have a great day.